Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 44. On this week's episode, I am happy to share the conversation I had with Sheetal Jaitley, founder and CEO of a software design and development company, Tribal Scale, out in Toronto. In two short years, he has led and grown his company from zero to over 130 employees. In our conversation, we talk about being in business development, how it actually helped him shape who he is as a thought and business leader. We talk about what happened when the bubble broke, that he actually had to start again from the bottom, selling photocopiers door to door. He talked about the experience going through an acquisition and how he was able to identify it as an opportunity. But before jumping in, quick shout out to my media sponsors, IT World Canada, Startup Canada for the support of the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Shido. How are you, Edwin? I'm fantastic. Thank you again. I know you're you're pretty busy, um, and I really appreciate your time. So why don't we just get started? Tell us something about yourself, maybe not within the business scope, but something. Uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit what you like to do when you're not growing, scaling companies. <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> my time is all spent uh, with everything to do tribal scale right now. But when I'm not um, at tribal scale, you know, I got one hobby and that is, uh, well, I got a couple of different hobbies, but I think the one thing that starts, it's my detox time is actually pretty funny. I sit there and watch CNN or Fox News and laugh at everything Donald Trump was doing. I just find it hilarious. So that's uh, that's it's a little entertainment, <laughs> it a little is. relaxing. It you, is. You're when, not getting frustrated by it. it, it I, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Well, one, one of my friends, he has a, he has the same the same habit he's been doing too. And uh, the day Donald Trump got elected, he messages me and he goes, "I guess it's time to cancel our Netflix subscription <laughs> because that's like that's all we watch now. Whenever we got oh some my time. god, it's reality TV, but it's real TV. It's it, nuts. It, it's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty nuts." Why don't you tell us a bit more about your company, Tribal Scale? Let us know your current role, your responsibilities, and what you're trying to accomplish over the next, let's say, six, 12 months. Yeah, so um, I'm the CEO of Tribal Scale. Uh, we founded the company just two two years ago this month. Um, Congrats. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy crazy amount of growth. We've just grown over to 100, uh, grown over 130 people. We're in five different cities. Um, and our vision is that we want to create a new era of innovation. If you look, if you look at organizations out there that are trying to innovate, they really struggle. Um, you know, you hear CEOs come out all the time now saying that we happen to be a software company that happens to sell fill in the blank. And that's not really true um, because they're old, archaic businesses that haven't gotten used to or even started to learn what it takes to become agile. And, you know, using our extreme programming principles, we feel like having us partnered with um, corporations and entities out there, we really put innovation on fire. Um, and so that's that, that's our vision and goal. That's great. And I mean, what you said, two years, two years old? Two years, 103. Yeah. That's amazing growth. I'd like to just dive deep into that. Like, how did you, did you and, and your team foresee this rapid growth two years ago? Like, No. <laughs> I mean, 
we always thought we we always knew we were going to be really successful. We we you know we 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 did our validation of figuring out product market fit. What we didn't realize is the amount of organizations out there that struggle when it comes to strategy design and product development of their of applications. Um, and we came to the market by being ones that actually put that in practice. Actually, put all three of those awesome pillars together. Um, and so that was something that, you know, when we took to market, we, we, we started hitting the ground running, but yeah, our first year projection was that we'll probably be around 20 people and move into our first real office. Um, by the end of our first year, we were in our third office, um, that we, because we kept, we kept having to move, um, tremendous, tremendous, and that was just in Toronto, tremendous growth. We had an office out in LA, New York, and started a satellite office out in San Francisco. So it was, uh, you know, everywhere we take our story and we show what we're able to do for organizations and help them innovate on their product roadmaps and accelerate their product roadmaps by bu- building world-class digital products. Um, our story's been heard and we've been, we've been taking ass and taking names. How are you and your executive team really managing this, I mean, this rapid growth? You're opening, you're in five cities. Um, <laughs> like, how, how, how are your team really staying strong together at this well, point? Well, I think, I think the, first thing, the, the first thing I'll give a bunch of credit to is that I, I have a team that's smarter than me. Um, so I'm a firm believer that you don't got to go and be prescriptive when you tell people what they need, what they need to get done, hire the right people that share the same vision and magic will start happening. And so we really foster that, you know, meritocracy and empowerment are two of our actual values, two of our three, the third value is transparency. Um, so when you find people who are smart and hungry and, 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 and have something to go out there and prove, especially when it's your vision, um, a lot of great things happen. So, um, you know, we have that, self-autonomous nature that will all as, as individuals be step up to the plate and get what we got to do. Um, but as a holistic team, we are, we, we have a lot of accountability to the other people around the table to make sure we execute on what we're, what we're saying we're going to execute on. Um, we still got a very young team though. I'll be honest. We got a young team that hasn't been there and done that uh, a lot before. Um, but you can't stress how important it is to have the right mentors and the right advisors, um, around you to help guide you when you're, when you're making some of these big decisions, especially opening up in different markets. Uh, at this point, I'd like to take it back. I mean, it's it's a benefit of doing a business leadership podcast. I, mm-hmm. I take a look at people's LinkedIn. I, sure. see, I see where they came from. And you have a pretty interesting story. I mean, you, you're an entrepreneur by trade, but you jumped around as well. So I'd love to, if you could share some key turning points throughout your career that helped you build yourself as the business leader you are today. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I was, uh, I was always doing... Um, business development roles from when I was a kid. My dad was an entrepreneur and he was also in real estate. And, um, so I would work a lot with him and was always in the, of the, of the sales, sales guy mindset. Um, but what ended up happening back in, uh, 2004, um, when the tech, well, the tech bubble burst in 2003, two and three, um, I ended up selling photocopiers door to door and I was selling photocopiers door to door, um, in downtown Toronto in Xerox's, uh, head offices. I actually cold called in Xerox's head office and, managed to sell um, some awesome printing solutions there. Nice. But you, when I did that, I, I, it formalized for me. I went through some rigorous sales training, and it formalized for me a lot of the awesome things I was already doing um, and actually put let me put into practice a lot of the skills that I started building up over the years. It it formalized it for me on how to do it better. You know, it's, uh, it's almost – that became like my coach. If I was an Olympic athlete, if I was a sprinter – 
my experience while I was at Rico selling photocopiers was my running coach um, that helped me run. And so from there, you know, that was that, that was a very pivotal moment in my career of, uh, of being able to tell myself, hey, I could actually go out there and make something out of nothing if I create a win-win situation for myself and a client. Um, fast forward that to to translating that into working in data sciences early in my career um, and predictive analytics, working with um, software organizations early in my career, um, and then really taking everything that I've learned over to Extreme Labs. And uh, and when I started working at Extreme Labs, that's when I started learning the, the power of if you don't give people a sandbox to play and you say, hey, go create magic, magic will happen. Um, and that's what they did with me. They gave me a laptop and, 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 and a phone and this awesome – this awesome team and process that was in my to in my toolbox and I said go create magic and and that's when I really set fire um and 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 put myself in a position so that I could start tribal skill today and I'd like to um that now that you mentioned extreme labs and I'll get more into that as well but I, I read a story that uh, you basically was just hanging out at extreme labs and, <laughs> and and they they really just offered you a job I, I'd love to dig down like I mean that's an amazing story to get yourself into yeah. A nice well, product it, shop. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just like that. Um, <laughs> um, I, when, when Amr and Sonny, the founders of Extreme, I knew them before they even founded Extreme, but when they founded Extreme Labs, um, I was naturally like really curious as to two friends who were starting this awesome valley minded business here in Toronto. Yeah. So I'd spend a lot of time over there. I'd work over, I'd even grab my laptop and work from over there. Um, more often than not, they actually became clients of mine at, at a certain point. I would take my expense account and take them, take some of their staff to go drinking, to tell you the truth. Yeah, but nice, I just, nice. I just, I, I mean, I love the people and the culture that they created and the environment that they created. Um, so I ended up spending a lot of time there. Um, and they were in the, they were at a pinnacle point too, where they were growing their organization and, we would, as friends would do, you would, you know, they would ask me for advice on how to, on how you would structure a sales team and vice versa. I'd ask them for advice on like, what, what do I see is the new wave of computing? How is mobile going to change the world? So on and so forth. Um, and then it was a conversation with, uh, with, with four of the executive leaders there at Extreme where they were like, Hey, why don't you come over here and, uh, and we got this awesome fire going and put some fuel on it. And I got to tell you, you know, as soon as I started, we hit the ground running really fast. Um, you know, we, we ended up closing this one of the second largest social network in the world. As soon as I got there, I won't say who it was. Um, but it, it, it was amazing to see. We were working with the biggest social network in the world. And then, you know, a month and a bit after I got there was, we're working with the second largest social network in the world. And so when you could go out there and create value for these large organizations, um, that are, Truly at that point, and if you think about 2010, 11, 12, that are changing the world and go, go out there with a product offering that they can use, um, you look out at the rest of the market saying, I got something that no one has. We right. got a, we really got some secret sauce here. And so it was a special ride and I was, I'm, I learned a lot. I, I messed up a lot and fucked up a lot on yeah. it, but it was, uh, I, le- I learned a lot from working over there. No, that's great. And, and it was interesting. I mean, you came in within the business development and as the company grew, you grew along as well. Your roles, responsibilities grew, it seemed, as well. Yeah. So how, how were you changing yourself as your team grew? Absolutely. I think one of the first things we did is um, when I came into Extreme is we decided that we should like start to verticalize. Um, and that was a pinnacle moment for Extreme. When we broke out into verticals, we stopped being generalist of just going out and selling our process. We became thought leaders in the various verticals that we headed up. So I ended up heading up the media vertical. Um, a light bulb went off on me probably 
three or four months into the job where I started coming out and coming out with an opinion and writing blogs and, and making a newsletter all about media and how mobile is changing the media world. Um, and a light bulb went off for me. I was presenting at a very, very popular um, newspaper lab um, in D.C. You guys may be able to guess who they were. <laughs> <laughs> They're owned by one of the largest retailers right now. Um, but I, I was actually there, and I, I was doing a presentation for them on the state of the media vertical. And they and the managing director got up and was like, hey, I love what, everything you just presented. Um, do you mind coming back here like every quarter to come present? And I took a step back and went... <laughs> But you guys are the most innovative people out there in the in the newspaper vertical right now. What do you need for me to come back? And he goes, Sheetal, I'm not afraid of the innovation that happens in this room. I know we're really good. But a guy like you gets to walk into 15 to 20 different rooms of what's happening on the street. And you come in here and you validate either we're on trend or off trend. Yeah. Right then and then I knew I'm not just a sales guy. I'm actually a thought leader. I could sit in front of any CXO. You could name the title. And I could hold my own because I actually have put in the thought leadership, understand the research, understand the trend lines, um, and, 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 and can be a leader of more than just a sales guy. I'm actually going to be the leader of the media vertical and actually be the one who people in the media industry will come to, to talk to, um, for, 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 for their opinion. And so that right there was a pinnacle moment that changed everything That's we were crazy, doing. It yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, the feedback I think they gave you is like you're on the ground. You got your ears, the eyes on the ground. You yeah. know what's new. Yeah. And it may not float up to them for a while. Yeah. So Well, it's not even that I know what's new. It's I know what the trends are. I've seen what other people are trying and how they fail, um, which is amazing. I see what other people are trying and how they succeed. I've seen many more F-ups than everyone else, and I've seen many more successes than everyone else, and I'm the central person I don't have to give away NDA information, but I can at least guide a CXO on the right product roadmap and actually have a healthy debate as to some of the choices that they're making, whether they're right or wrong, right? So at least I come to the table with an opinion and some and some facts, um, and 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 the homework done. So it's a I be I've literally become a soundboard for many people in that vertical, and still am till today uh, for many people in that vertical of where the industry is going. I've also become a great recruiter um, because anytime someone wanted to move jobs, they'd come and call me, yeah, um, because they were looking to move, or if somebody was looking to hire someone, they would call me, um, which is pretty, you know, in the, in the, in, in the media space, it's pretty incestual. So, um, it's great to see I've had good friends and, and people I call, call my confidants along the way. I start moving organizations, which is great too for, for my network. That's awesome. And I want to talk about the time and extreme, the, the acquisition of Pivotal. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big thing happening, not only within the company, it's also in Toronto having this large software company. So if you could talk about, how you how you approach the acquisition, how you handle the team, managing the team, and and getting integrated into into that bigger company. Yeah, I think um, so. So yeah, acquisitions are tough um, because every, the way you do things are kind of gone, and I completely get it. Um, you know, you when you move into a larger organization and got acquired, um, there are they, with that comes their policies and procedures, which make sense for their business goals. And I, and it may not make sense, make sense for you. And so for me, it was, it was kind of tough because I built this awesome team that was doing a heck of a lot of revenue, um, for, for, for extreme. Um, and I had a lot of relationships and they asked us to all separate. And oh, say, wow. okay, we're not going for this vertical approach anymore. Um, we're going to go for this 
um, geography-based approach, and you're going to have a territory, and off you go and selling it. And I kind of thought to myself at the time, I was really frustrated. I goes, my territory-based photocopier selling in a patch days are over. Like, yeah. um, that was 10 years before my career. But at the same time, I was like, there's an opportunity here. Um, and so I, I was one of the few guys who got to get up and say, Here's some key accounts that are going to be super critical to to the organization for for Pivotal to grow. Um, I know I'm the right guy to go and do them, and they're still all media focused, and I'll be the media guy um, for 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 Pivotal, and that and that and that happened, and they actually you know let me do that for the first year, um, and that was great. I mean, I they, they it was they were supportive. It's kind of sucked that I had to give away a lot of the accounts that I was still working sure, on. Sure, sure, but. Um, I still never let my team down. You know, I went above and beyond the job to join on calls or meetings with accounts that I have no vested interest in anymore, <laughs> but uh, there's still relationships that I had and I wanted to help the team. But that's, you know, that's a, with, with an acquisition comes a lot of change and it. You really got to become a chameleon on how you're going to be able to change with that company. Moving into year two, though, it's a complete different ball game. I was, uh, I spent my time in year one to figure out what I wanted to do next in my career. And so I wanted to learn more about the big data side of the business. Uh-huh. I wanted to learn more about, you know, I wanted to move away from just being always pigeonholed into being a guy who could sell web, web and mobile. I want to learn more about the IoT space. And so I became director of IoT um, and started working with the big data team and started seeing how we could bring products to, to life, um, big data pro- pro- products to market. And I learned, so I, again, put myself in an uncomfortable situation where I got to learn a lot from that organization. Um However, like the reason I know one of your follow-up questions may be, then why did you leave? Uh, yes. And so the reason I left is literally because of the product market fit. I still had lots of customers calling me um, saying, hey, Shido, where could we go to get, get agile development done? Um, I still had this... This, this notion when that we were king, I was the king of media and there were yeah. other people who were, you know, kings or queens of finance or retail. What if we brought all this together and did strategy design and development together in one holistic approach using our agile and extreme programming methodologies? Um, and the more it just that itch wouldn't leave, wouldn't leave me. So. I spoke with the people at Pivotal and let them know what I was doing yeah. and, and wanted to get a blessing from them. Um, and it worked out really well where we actually are partners with Pivotal right now and we do complementary work to them. The work that we do is not work that they want to do. Yeah. But we both come from the same mindset that agile and extreme programming is the future um, and and is the way software so software is going to be reinvented in this world. Um, so we complement each other and we, you know, we, we, we're big proponents of Pivotal Cloud Foundry in the DevOps world, and we don't get into DevOps, so we help them out there, and yeah. and vice versa. They 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 recommend us for when there's when there's work to be done on the, on the actual software development side. So it was a win win. And and when did you take the jump after? How long after the acquisition? Um, so it was after two years of the acquisition. So. Um, yeah, it was uh, just we just finished year two of the acquisition. Two years and a couple months after the acquisition. Yeah. I read I read something and maybe this happened after the acquisition. I, I I wasn't too sure from from my research is that you also have a passion for the voice. And I know when I spoke yeah. when I spoke to Mitch earlier this year about this stuff, this this heavy heavy side. I mean, with all the AI and the voice technologies out there, I'd love to, for you to share what you're seeing out there and perhaps what do you see in 2020 when it comes to all this voice technologies. Yeah. So I think first let me address the AI thing. Yeah. Um, so we started our 
AI data sciences practice here at Tribal Scale. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've actually adopted that practice now into our methodology. So every application that we work on will be structured in a way so it could leverage and use the power of data, um, whether it be for artificial intelligence, um, data science, or uh, analytics. And so, you know, tribal skill is the place to come to when you want to build smart apps. We don't build dumb apps here. Yeah. We're actually even doing more value-added services, even with our clients who um, don't want to experience AI or don't have an appetite for it yet, we're holding their hand and saying we're dropping breadcrumbs from them to say yeah. there's a better world out there if you do leverage this and we're going to make the investments into our clients to make this happen. Um, so that's that's the first AI thing. I think voice is going to be huge. We're so used to seeing and touching and clicking um, to interact with with computer interfaces. If you look at voice, um, and you know, I think beacons, we're, we're trying to do this, but if you look at, but you still needed a screen to see any value out of yeah. it. But if you look at voice, I am now going to be in a world where my voice could interact with the digital world and my voice could make commands and make things happen. Uh, you look at an Amazon, you look at just the Amazon Alexa or Google Home right now. Sure, it's good enough to play your music or tell you jokes. But what <laughs> else could it do? Yeah. If it's reading the news to me every morning and it notices that, like me, I love the Donald Trump news, which is more like comic relief for me, then why not play more of that? And what, and what are publishers going to do to start to think how to leverage voice yeah. and into the next computing revolution? Um, in car, I think voice is, could be, is going to change the world also, right? If no, you look, for sure. it's already changing the smart home, but look at in car, you know, send flowers to my wife because I messed up today or, <laughs> or, or give me directions because I don't know where I'm going. Um, so give me directions from A to B, but. Also, if it's raining really hard that day and the route that's, that you're taking me on is prone for flooding, then how about rerouting me and sending me in a safer passage? Um, so there, these are types of things I think if you start taking the world of data and putting it together, you're going to start getting some really customized experiences that are going to make our way of life much better. No, and I, and I come from the telecom world, I, uh, and uh, it's also in my business, and it's my background. So it's fascinating to me that all this voice technologies that are coming up. It's almost 360, but with all this added features, because before the 2000, we were all just talking on the phones, closing deals. Yeah, We, were, we yeah. weren't doing all these web conferencing. We weren't yeah. doing any of this screen sharing stuff. Well, was, just on that, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't think web conferencing um, – <laughs> Does does account justice. executives no. and business development people justice? So if there's any other CEOs there that think um, your rep should be doing web conferences all the time, um, you're, you, the reason your sales suck is for that reason. You got to have people go out to speak face to face, people. yeah, real face life, to face, hundred percent. I get that. And so I want to just really get some of your thoughts because you changed roles. You've worked in large enterprise. You work for startups. You're working for large enterprise now through tribal scale. Can you maybe share how you adjusted throughout your career, uh, your leadership style, and what what maybe some of the learnings you did, or some things that you might have done differently? So I'll tell you, um, I, my approach and the way I do things is probably not recommended. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, being a business development guy, I don't think I ever had a boss that never wanted to fire me. <laughs> but here's the beauty of it. You couldn't because I was way too valuable to the organization right. and I drove in way too much money. Um, I actually added a lot more value and I did that. And this is what you should take away from what I did is every organization I worked for, I looked at as, as, as if I'm an intrapreneur. 
I would come in and say, all right, I got a laptop, I got a phone. What else do I have in my ecosystem here that's going to be part of my toolbox for me to go out there and and create my own company? Yeah. And I may be doing it under a different brand if it was Extreme Labs or I'm doing it under Tribal Scale. At every organization I worked with, I treated it as if it was my own company. I would spend every dollar as if it was my own dollar. I know the accountants listening to me say this uh, <laughs> who used to see my expense reports are probably choking right now. But it was true. I would not go out there and spend a dollar if I didn't think it was in the best interest of the organization to spend that dollar. I wouldn't take a flight to go to a city if I didn't know I had five meetings during the day and, right. and a dinner set up. Um, I maximized all opportunity as if it was my own business because I was motivated by the win. I was motivated by creating a win-win situation. You know, the art of the deal wasn't on how much commission I made on the deal. For me, what made me really excited is we created something out of nothing and now we're going to go and actually build on top of right, that. Yeah. And we were, and if you look at it, you know, as, as a business development person, you are, you are the, person who lays the foundation for success if you sell a deal wrong you're not going to the house that's going to be built on that foundation won't be a, won't be a sturdy house yeah. so um you know taking that type of attitude um to everything that i did was was super important having that entrepreneur attitude is really hard to find though um you know being going out there and and thinking that you're a business development person or salesperson um it's, 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 it, it really has to come from a place where you want to create that win-win situation for not only your organization, but for the person you're talking to. And I really liked, um, the point on the business development professionals. It, it, it starts with how you started that relationship. That's, yeah. that's the foundation. I mean, you talk to a lot of business development who's just begging for the deal and maybe giving up, giving up the house. Right. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you see a lot of salespeople, they go in and they think that you have to be the person with the gift with the gab. I mean, you got one mouth, two ears, use the two ears, ask that's the right. questions, understand what your customers want, yeah. listen to them. Um, the right solution will come up. Don't try to force solutions onto customers either. If I, a lot of times I say, you know what? It's, we're not the right partner for you. To it work. may not work. It, this is not going to work out. This yeah. is out of our wheelhouse. This is not what we do. Yeah. What you're asking for is not, is not, is not, we're not the best suited people for it. Let me recommend somebody for you. You know, you, building your network is, is super important and having people trust you in your network is super important. And it's true. It's true. As the saying goes that your network is your net worth. And as soon as you feel like you're, you're ripping your network off or you're doing your network any disservice, your, your actual career is going to show that also. It's, it's going to get jeopardized. Um, for me, I, I love the fact that I've built up a lot of trust in my network and people trust me to even come to me with solu- and ask me for solutions that aren't even yeah. agile strategy design or software development related. Right. Um, and, and, and that's super important because you got to always put, you always got to put, um, Put effort into your network, into into making sure you nourish it, because it will, at the end of the day, be something that's going to carry you throughout your your career. Right, and I think you having having your network ask you for things that aren't even nearly related is almost a testament of the uh, of the trust or of of who you are out there. So it's yeah, I've never I've I've never done a deal um, where. I've, I felt like I was ripping somebody off. Uh, the second I felt like that, I wouldn't do the deal. And that may be why some sales managers completely hated me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I, I wouldn't do it. If it wasn't a win-win situation, I wouldn't do it. There was this one time, um, I could, I was trying to convince this entrepreneur not to do the deal. And 
this entrepreneur was so adamant that they wanted to do the deal with us and they wanted and they wanted to build out um, this particular prototype. And I was pretty adamant saying, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but you say you know what you're doing. I wouldn't do this if you if I were you. Um, and the person still went ahead and did it. And unfortunately, it did fail. And I felt bad. Yeah, I felt really bad. I felt like I could have I should have done more. And I should have, you know, um, you know, shaken the person. And said, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. do this. But you can't also do that to an entrepreneur. So there's a fine line. There, there'll be times when you do a deal and you feel like it's not the right deal and, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't have made that deal happen. Um, but you get forced into it because of the client and then, and they want to do it. But they'll all, I mean, that, that entrepreneur still told her today remembers my advice and remembers what I said. We still have a great relationship. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, that's, that's the one time I feel like if I could have just like, overpower the person saying, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, sh- may, I may have, sh- maybe should have. That's great. When I talk to a lot of uh, executives, business leaders, a lot of them are always learning, always educating themselves. How could they get better? So I'm really curious, you tell, what's, what are you reading right now? Yeah, so um, right now I'm reading a book called The Hard Things About Hard Things. Okay, uh, yeah. I read... You know what I mostly read though is I read Flipboard maybe five to ten times a day. Yeah. I have my stories and everything queued up, um, and I just flip through it. And so I stay on top of what's happening in the news. I'll tell you, oh my God, Bitcoin hit nine thousand. Bitcoin hit ten thousand. You know, I'm, I'm I'm watching all this stuff. Um, so that's that's the majority of where my reading goes. My reading goes into the markets that I'm actually in. That's um, the that's the BD guy in you. That's the BD guy. <laughs> yeah, you got to stay on top of what's yeah, happening yeah. in the news, right? If Google's going to announce something new that they're going to do. With TensorFlow, I want to know what that is and say, okay, for my AI practice, how is that going to affect me? And then how does it affect me? What's that, what does that mean for my customers? So I'm constantly always reading uh, reading to, to stay on top of my game. The other thing I think um, I do a lot of is listen to podcasts like this. And, uh, you know, I think you, if you take time to even listen to podcasts and maybe some podcasts that are irrelevant, I'll listen to a podcast on how to fix a car. It doesn't matter if I – just because I listen to a, car, a podcast from mechanics on how to fix a car, sometimes there's theories and the way they go about their process to fix things may help you in your in your day-to-day. So those are the types of things I do to keep myself sharp. And, uh, you know, I'm, my wife always laughs at me because uh, usually if she comes in the room and it's not Donald Trump on, it's a TED Talk on or <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm YouTubing something on YouTube, uh, that, that, that's going to make me – better myself. And so um, that's what I do. I, I spend a lot of time doing that. But uh, I, I definitely read business books. I'm not much of a fiction reader. Mm-hmm. I'll wait for the movie to come out. Same, um, same. But that's, <laughs> it's just the way I'm wired. I can read a business book. I just can't get into fiction too much. 100%. So for you and growing this business, who are you turning to when you're looking for some advice, like maybe some key mentors, Maybe even some influencers that you talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Sunny, Sunny Madra and Amar Varma from Extreme are two people I speak to a lot. Um, also, their their two lieutenants were Farhan Thawar and Rahul Singh, uh, two other guys who were at Extreme, because um, they've been there and done that. And so I talk to them a lot about a lot of the issues that I'm facing or challenges I'm facing because they may have seen seen them. And the cool thing about speaking to each one of those four is you'll get four different answers, wow. um, which is which is pretty different. Um, um, so I go and do that. I also, um, I, I'm also part of a roundtable or a founder forum that is very influential and helpful um, that I do every month. And I think it's super important to connect with other CEOs and other people who are also fighting a battle in their various businesses to go out there and and and, and make it in this in this tough world that we live in. And hearing their stories and hearing hearing what they what they go through. 
uh, helps me a lot. Um, and so definitely if you find a, if you find a good forum and, and def- get forum trained, I find it super beneficial and helpful. Um, aside from that, there's, uh, you know, I, I, Candace Factor and Jody Kovitz here are always in my ear and I love bouncing ideas off them. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've, I've developed a pretty good network of people around me that, uh, I, I go and, and speak to, um, all the time. The other person I think I should, I should mention, um, that does so much for us and everything we do here at Tribal Scale is Amit Shah from Golden Ventures. Uh, he not only walks in here and gives us his advice on, 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 what we should be doing or what he sees wrong, but he's a great person to talk to about being a futurist and seeing where, where things are going to go in the future. So now, now that you're running this, you're CEO, you're the top. I love this question. I love to ask this is what do you think your team, your colleagues, um, your peers, what would you think they'll say your best leadership quality is? Oh God, <laughs> this is a tough question. I mean, I, I was thinking about, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this. It's uh it's a tough question because I think they, they'll say my, 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 I hope they say my best leadership qualities. I lead by example. I'm not afraid to go clean the toilet in this place if mm-hmm. it's dirty. Um, at the same time, like, I think a lot of times people try to be bosses and not leaders. And for me, a, a leader is someone who actually is in the trenches with you and, and powers through and get things done with you. And I hope that's one of the qualities everybody who works around me sees. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never the smartest person in the room, but I definitely will outwork any mofo I'll have, who's ever come across <laughs> my that. way. Um, from the second I wake up, it's all about tribal scale to the time I go to bed at night. It's all about tribal scale. And I've yet to meet anyone who'll, who'll outwork with work, work me. Um, and if I do, then that'd be, that'd be someone who's a great addition to our team. Having said that though, working smart and working hard are two different things. And I think I'm still trying to find the right yeah. balance between those yeah. two. That's awesome. So what else do you have any other? I, I know you just said you 24-7, you're thinking and breathing tribal scale, but do you have any other special projects that, that you're sort of excited for in the, in the near future? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I've been talking a lot about our services-based business at tribal scale. Um, we've recently brought in Roger Chabra, who's a trained VC for, for many, many years, um, to lead up our venture studio. So the exciting thing for me is now you're going to see tribal skills known for building some of the world's best digital products. Um, I want our tribal venture studios to be known for building the world's best digital companies. And we got five on the go right now. And one of them's in voice and we're hoping to make a big splash at CES this year with our voice company. Um, And I want to see, you know, dreams beyond that I had that come out of our venture studio. If, if we shoot people all the way to Mars and back um, one day, that, that'll be an accomplishment. That's something that I'll, that's something I'd be very proud of is uh, it's being able to shoot for the stars in that venture studio and seeing what, seeing what the collective smart people of this organization could do to create the world's next best digital companies. I mean, that's really exciting. You're, you're, it sounds like you're leveraging, what what you've built here as a dev shop, and not only dev shop, but you're doing yeah. multiple things. But you're bringing in and bringing the the VC and really investing into the community. Well, Are these companies announced yet? Can you say it here or not? Um, right now, not. no, they're not. They're not formalized yet. Um, you know, they they will be. So CES is not that far away. So we'll post it here you, when, it post released, it here yeah, when it is released. When it is released, um, you'll see that. But. Um, the, the cool thing is, if you look at what an entrepreneur needs, there's there's a couple key ingredients that we're able to bring to the table. One is you need cash. And, you know, if you look at VCs, VCs always say, hey, we got money and we got this awesome Rolodex. Come and we'll invest with you. Well, we, we're not going to come to the table and say, okay, we got cash. We got a really extensive Rolodex that, that spans across the world, actually. 
we got an army of 130 going to 300 people who I consider some of the best people in digital and actually the industry considers some of the best yeah. people in digital that could help you build your products and help you build your roadmap. We got offices now globally with four here in North America, one in Dubai. Um, so we could start see, seeing how we could take you to different markets and make the barrier of entry into different markets a lot much, e- a lot more easier. And we got corporate connections. I was just sitting with a Fortune 100 company yesterday, and they showed me their three-year roadmap of what they want to do in digital. Wow. Imagine all this awesome info we have. If we take all those ingredients together with the right entrepreneurs, we could definitely build the world's best digital companies right here in Toronto or out of our other offices. Um, but under starting out of the tribal scale umbrella. That's exciting. That's really exciting. And, and I'm excited for the announcement. And I'll definitely post it on uh, on the on the webpage for our podcast. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm having a blast. I could probably talk with you forever. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can't. Your time your time is busy. So, But before we end, I'd love to get some of your final thoughts, observations. Ideally, I, I like... I'd like you to get, share some type of actionable uh, actionable recommendations that you can share to someone who's trying to maybe start out in business development or they're growing their career or even or even leading a company that's scaling as crazy yeah. as tribal scale. <laughs> I think I think some of the so some of the actionable things people need to do right away is start looking at yourself as an entrepreneur. Stop looking at when you go to work as a job. Start looking at it as something that you're passionate about. If you're going to work and you think of your your job is just a job, it's time for you to find a new job. There are jobs out there where you could actually enjoy going into the office yeah. every day and love enjoy what you're doing. Um, number two, making money is just a a way to keep score. Um, when I started selling photocopiers, I left a very lucrative uh, career where I was making a lot more money, but I started working for $24,000 a year. Right. Everything else was upside. Yeah. But you got to believe in yourself and go and be like, hey, what is this stepping stone going to be? Um, I may take some money off the table now to put myself in a position to, to actually excel in the future. So, so definitely don't look at money um, as number two. Number three, I think would be, don't look at titles. Titles don't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see so many people chasing titles. I look at, you know, some of the people who work went into finance thinking they were, oh, I'm senior manager and now vice president, associate vice president, but you're miserable wearing that penguin suit going to the office every day. Yeah. You're clocking in nine to five. You're going home to your kids. You're kind of upset with your not having a good family life because you hate what you do all day. That's not, that's not a life. Go make sure you don't chase a title. You go chase what's going to actually be educational for you, get you out of your comfort zone, challenge you and make you learn something. I think those are key things that everyone should do, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Um, and last, nothing comes easy. Um, I hate it when someone looks at me and says, oh, look, you've always been lucky you got yeah. here. My luck wasn't made. My luck my luck wasn't just given. It was actually made. I, I got a lot of scars on me from everything that I've done in my career um, to get to the point I am. So it's not about luck. It's about making your own luck and putting yourself in the right situations and in the right places so that your luck could change. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all your insights, your knowledge. So to close, if you could share, please tell us where we can find more information about Tribal Scale. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you could definitely could go check out Tribal Skill at tribalskill.com. Uh, we got an amazing newsletter that we put out every week that talks about what we're up to. Um, we host very cool industry events. We had our own conference last year. There's a whole bunch of insights there where it's not just about reading about what Tribal Skill is up to, but we try to make our newsletter to get community involvement. Um, so that goes everywhere. Uh, we're at everywhere our offices are or anywhere we're, that we're going to be. Um, that's an easy way to find it. If you want to connect with me, you could just hit me on Twitter. It's at Sheetal Jaitley, S-H-E-E-T-A-L-J-A-I-T-L-Y. I guess those are the best ways to contact awesome. me. Awesome. Sheetal, this has been amazing. I, I learned so much, but thank you again for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Happy to do it. Thank you. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode number 44 of the Business Leadership Podcast with Sheetal Jaitley. If you want to learn more about Sheetal, Tribal Scale, or anything else that we discussed, head over to thebusinessleadership.com slash 044. We'd love to hear from you, so please reach out to me over social media or directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.